Hello and welcome to the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. My name is Ben Wilson and today I'm joined on Zoom by special guest Lewis Cardinal. Lewis, welcome to Six Ways from Sunday and thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you. I'm so honored to be on your show. I really uh, look forward to our conversation and our sharing. Thanks a lot. Uh, me too. And I was just uh, mentioning to you before we hit the record button that um, sometimes, you know, I really like to uh, introduce people just as the, the the person you are rather than the titles that you hold or the hats that you wear or the roles that you play in this world. But in this conversation, I'm really looking forward to hearing about some of the work that you're doing. And, uh, and you know, you and I haven't, haven't met before today, but I was looking you up a little bit and see that you are a very active activist and uh, knowledge keeper and educator, and you've got a background in journalism. And so there's, there's, it sounds like you do wear a lot of different hats, and I'd love to hear about some of them. Um, one of them that, that I was reading is that you're a trustee at the Parliament of the World's Religions. Can you, maybe we can just start there and you can tell us a little bit about what that means. Sure. Uh, I, I was part of the, uh, well, it's interesting because the Parliament of World Religions um, was something that the uh, city of Edmonton had, uh, expre- no, the city of Edmonton, uh, the Edmonton Interfaith uh, Network Society uh, had uh, invi- had been doing some work with them as a volunteer on some uh, uh, s- some issues and things and over time, and of course became great friends with everyone who was at the uh, Edmonton Interfaith. And so they went to this conference in uh, Melbourne, Australia, and they asked if I would like to to join them uh, and to, to go to Melbourne and participate in this thing called the Parliament of World Religions. And uh, so I went. Um, and it was just a wonderful experience. The, the people that I met there were fantastic, carrying so much of the same spirit of coming together and learning from each other and sharing. And uh, I had a wonderful time. And then, um, and then the Edmonton Interfaith uh, got together with the city of Edmonton after the conference uh, here in Edmonton and uh, said, well, why don't we make a pitch and see if we can uh, bring the parliament to the city of Edmonton? And so uh, they asked me to join uh, an organizing and planning committee for that, so I did. And uh, then we went uh, to Chicago uh, to engage in their um, in their process of uh, application and uh, and everything. So we met, went over there and did that, made made the application and everything. Brought their team to Edmonton to look at our space and everything. And it's a very large gathering. Uh, the parliament gets around ten thousand people uh, together every uh, three years. Wow. And um, yeah, from all different kinds of spirituality, faith, religious traditions, um, practitioners, uh, leaders, and um, it's um, really it's kind of like yeah, it's kind of like the uh, the spiritual Olympics, I guess you could say, <laughs> in so many ways. But it's it's uh, the the environment that uh, that is created, and so many people get together and sharing and talking about issues in in the day or of the day uh, from many different perspectives was really just so rewarding just to be a part of that process. Wow. Sure um, so, yeah. So when, when I was there and working and uh, in, in making the pitch, I got to know a number of people from the parliament. And uh, one day I received a, a call and they asked if I'd be interested in becoming a trustee. And um, 
I said, well, okay, if you, if you want me to, uh, <laughs> I'll apply. Uh, so I did. And then, uh, and then of course, I got accepted on, on, onto the uh, trustee uh, board and uh, worked with them. And uh, I took on the responsibility of um, coordinating the Indigenous uh, component to uh, the uh, the next parliament that was then held in, uh, in uh, Salt Lake City. And uh, so my job was to bring the indigenous voice to, the, to all those tables and into the discussion, uh, uh-huh. bring our spiritual faith and elders uh, to, to join in and uh, had, a, again, a really wonderful experience, a very life changing in so many ways, uh, rejuvenation of the faith in, in humanity, for example, uh, and the importance that faith has in our lives. It's one of the great institutions of our of any society, along with education and and governance, and, and that is is faith. Uh, faith is so central to uh, to any nation, any community, any any town, any individual. And so, um, working with uh, with uh, with the parliament uh, and, and bringing the indigenous voice was really important for me to do. Uh, oftentimes, uh, the voices of indigenous people are not uh, are not heard at the tables where they should be heard. And sometimes they're invited to the table, but they're not allowed to order from the menu in so many ways, right? <laughs> so, but but this was different. Uh, this uh, really opened it up to have uh, frank discussions and open discussions. And what 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 I learned from the uh, from the elders that I was working with uh, through this whole process from different parts of, of the globe is that you know we need we need to be here, and we need uh, we we have something to say from our uh, spiritual traditions that we think. Can, can help things in, in, in this day and time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was uh, just a, a very rich experience. And so I did that. And then uh, and I served six years in working with the parliament to help coordinate the sec- uh, another parliament to Toronto in 2018. Uh, and then I served my six years and I, I had to step down and rotate out. And then okay. uh, a couple of years passed and then they called me back and said, hey, you know, <laughs> you did your penance. Do you want to come back? So <laughs> I, said, I said, absolutely. Absolutely. So they obviously so must have liked on. you, Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> I take so, it as a great compliment. I have to ask you a question that, I mean, that in your sharing, there's lots of stuff popped into my head that I'm really curious about. But first, maybe if you could, if you could share what, um, which nation are you a, a member of? And how do you, how did you carry that, um, cultural wisdom and and spiritual tradition and everything that needed to be at that table how what did it look like for you to to carry that and like and communicate that uh, as one person right like i'm sure you so you're kind of speaking on behalf of your ancestors and behalf of your culture on behalf yeah. of your nation sure i'm really curious yeah. about that uh well um in my, my tradition uh and the cree tradition well first of all i'm uh, i'm woodland cree uh, from northern Alberta, from a uh, small First Nation called the Sucker Creek Cree First Nation, and it's on the Lesser Slave Lake, on the west uh, the west uh, shores of the Lesser Slave Lake. And um, so, um, I when I was when I was growing up there, because I lived there until uh, I was about nine years old, and then we moved to the city. But at that time, uh, Indigenous cultural traditions uh, were not practiced widely or at all uh, because of the residential school experience, because of the colonial experience that forbade and made illegal 
uh, our cultures and, tr and traditions. So we had lost connection with it for a while. And so, but when I was when I was growing up, <clears throat> before we came to the city, we started to get reconnected. We brought in uh, spiritual leaders and faith leaders into into uh, our first nation, and we started to go back to um, our ceremonies in our processes. And one thing that I learned very early in that process that it's not so much as a, a, a religion uh, per se, but it's mainly a way of life and how you see yourself within it, how you orient yourself within the this, this great reality. We have a set of principles and values that have been shaped by uh, Mother Earth in terms of living in balance and harmony and uh, uh, inter rugged interconnectedness, I like to say. Uh, and uh, so that was uh, interesting. Um, to to be able to to embrace that as a way of seeing uh, how how you live your life. Walking in a sacred manner is another term that uh, comes out of this, and that means you know, living and practicing uh, that uh, the, the ethic of balance and, and love and harmony. And it's it's amazing because now fast forward, you know, fifty years, um, you see so much of that within so many spiritual tradition so it's not so much as there's there's difference or um indifference uh there there is so much um that we have the same in so many different religions and traditions and so what happens then is that other uh, uh faith practitioners or spiritual practitioners see themselves within within who you are and that that becomes then that first thread of building a bridge um so Bringing this, uh, bringing my cultural traditions uh, forward, um, it was uh, at first it was a bit. I was a bit nervous about you know sharing thoughts and things like that, only because it seemed to be a natural response at the time. But once you start to share your stories, and you're a storyteller yourself, so you know the power of the story. Um, and so I, I I learned that when you we start to frame things within a story context, there's more uh, resonance uh, for other people to hear it. And uh, and working with the parliament over the years, I learned that really well from um, from all kinds of spiritual traditions. Because once you saw that story, then you start to see yourself in the other person's story. That's a very powerful powerful uh tool to create an understanding and and to build relationship yeah that's um, what really gener it yeah. generates the capacity for empathy and understanding is when you can literally see yourself yeah. in another yeah. human and and yeah that's that's powerful and it's it's an unfortunate position that we're in now today where there's so much intolerance where the world is colored in in, in black and white in so many corners today and and it's fed by fear and misunderstanding and misinformation, um, but what? But what? I've seen people change when you start to share um, your story or what you know uh, within that framework of, of story, and um, and and that for me is a very important tool. Hence my work in in, in communications and my training in in, uh, in communications. It must uh, also really just give you a lot of hope that doing this work can make a difference. It's worth, and that it's worth doing, doing that hard work. Well, it is, uh, it really is. Um, and while it can be seen as hard work, it also is, um, something I just simply enjoy doing. Uh, mm. so, uh just, you know, I look forward to it. 
an opportunity to meet uh, new friends, uh, to, to, to learn uh, from other people, uh, to be reaffirmed uh, by, others, uh, by other people. It's, it's a very uh, giving um, uh, environment that I, you know, I, I really, really thrive in. Uh, and what I really enjoy is bringing like elders or spiritual leaders into these large conferences and you can see the apprehension because it's quite, it's an impressive gathering. (laughs) And, uh, but when people just do the simple things, um, and sit together one, one to one and just have their conversation, whatever that conversation may be, you're seeing change in action right there, you know? And it's just, Oh, well, there's a monk sitting with uh, a Blackfoot traditionalist. You know, I wonder what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so cool! You know, it's just uh, wow. That's 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 cool. And then later on, I'd, I'd you know I'd, I'd speak and meet with some of the elders and, and some of the uh, spiritual leaders that we met with, and they said, you know, I've had the most exciting conversations I've had in years, just wow. talking. I didn't know that these uh, types of monks were these types of monks, and we have so much in common, you know. So when said, you, yeah, when- that's it. When you sit down, Lewis, in, in those uh, circles um, and these large gatherings or just in those one-on-one conversations that take place um, there, is, does it, is there a, a sort of a structured purpose or like th- this is a very white person way of <laughs> like a very European um, way of thinking? I, I acknowledge that. But like, I, I'm just curious if there's like, so at this summit, what is the sort of outcome or the the objective of bringing all of the people together? Yes, well, um, each uh, each parliament has a theme, and um, and this theme is um, uh, human rights and freedom, protecting human rights and freedom. So it's a pretty you know politically, you can say it's, it's political. It is. I mean, being spiritual is a very political act, and people have to understand that. You know, um, expressing the uniqueness of where you come from and and how you see any given topic is an act of it's a political act. And and what makes it political is that you're not towing a, a status quo, right? And and mm. you're really open. You're opening it up um, in the way that you see you see the world and sharing that, uh, and not trying to convert uh, people to see your way of thinking. So you you are you know a, a political actor when you are when you and that's the basis of freedom is making your own choices and uh, and sharing what you know you know to be true, but also having an open mind and an open heart to listen to what other people have to say, um, mm-hmm. and helping to cr- create that that bridge uh, to uh, to understanding and change. Um, yeah. uh, our elders have always said that we are brothers and sisters, all of us on this planet, and we are, and our mother is Mother Earth. And uh, and we forget those simple those simple teachings, but it doesn't make it um, militarily uh, um, you know political. Uh, it's it's a statement of what we see to be to be true, and it's worth just sharing that 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 knowledge because it just changes the way in which we see each other and how we uh, approach each other. Mm, that's a Sorry. beautiful thing. Yeah. So speaking of politics, then does is there a layer at which this parliament that you're um, a member, a trustee of, of the world's religions, um, then um, collaborates with or influences act, like big P, like capital yes. P politics in, in different countries in Canada or elsewhere? Well, yes. Yes, we do. We, uh, 
we uh, created um, this process, uh, uh, sponsored this process, I should say. It's called the Global Ethic. And so it's a, a climate change uh, document. It's a fairly significant document that has that has made its way through the, the halls of power in various nations. And um, and through the gathering of uh, of the parliament, oftentimes we will develop uh, a communication um, or a declaration or some sort of formal statement that the parliament will then release to uh, the leaders of the world and the institutions uh, okay. of the world, the United Nations, United Nations, for example. And we do participate in the United Nations uh, gatherings. Um, wow. So we'll have yes, yeah, so we'll have our delegates uh, go to New York and and, um, and and be involved in those in those conversations. Um, I went uh, to uh, participate with the uh, UN Permanent Forum on Indigenous Issues, and, um, and I think I'll be going again next next year. Uh, we didn't for the last few years because it was closed pretty much because of COVID. Uh, so yeah, there there are real implications on that international kind of scale where we create these documents. Um, we also have a portion within the parliament that focuses on, on women's issues specifically. Oh, good. And so they, yeah, so they do their, their drafting of, um, of statements and, and that sort of thing, which is, which is fantastic. And we share it, of course, during the, uh, during the conference. So we have people who, who will lend their thoughts and, and wishes and ideas to it. So they, they shape it and they work on it. And they work re really hard. You know, a lot of these groups are working late into night, into the night to, to frame out uh, statements and then have them reviewed and do the same thing again <laughs> until the end of the, uh, uh, of the gathering. And then, uh, and then we share that nationally. But also what's really important as well, you have that international UN type sort, sort of thing. You also have, it goes right down to the local. And uh, it's the local ones that really start to work towards implementation of these things that, uh, in their own communities. And that's where real change starts. Mm. Is it's right at home. It's with you first. And this is our, our teaching is that when, you, when you're talking about change, change starts with you first. And I think Mahatma Gandhi also said that as well. But you start with yourself first. And, uh, and you do that inner work that needs to be done. That integration of that knowledge of what you've learned into what you are going to practice and, and how you're going to move forward. And then you work with, uh, share that with the ones who you love that are close to you, with your family and, and friends, and, and then into your community and then into your province and uh, into uh, your country and you know the world. And, and then it just expands out like a concentric ring. Mm. And uh, so we know that by, uh, when you're talking about a global, global ethic, uh, what does that look like at home, for example, right? If we talk about uh, climate change and, and loving Mother Earth, what does that look like at home? Do you recycle, for example? You know, do you grow your own garden? Um, you know, uh, do you go, do you have a relationship with nature? Uh, do you go out and, and be a part of it? You know, and we know there's a tremendous amount of studies and health studies that show that just spending 20 minutes uh, a week outside in a, in a park or something like that. Uh, it's very, uh, very healthy for, for, for people. So, you know, so there's real practical things. These, these aren't just lofty goals and, you know, um, it's kind of like love thy neighbor. What does that look like from your side of the fence? Right? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so it gives that chance to create some unique statements. And if you go to uh, uh, parliament of religions, 
uh, .org. Uh, you see, you'll see all of our documentations there and some wonderful statements and videos and things that were, were created uh, during any one of these uh, nine parliaments that, we, that we've had since uh, 1993. Wow. Uh, but the parliament start, started in uh, 130 years ago, uh, 129 years ago, uh, in, in Chicago in eight, uh, 1893 when they had their first, uh, when they had the Columbia Exposition. That's when they had the first uh, gathering of the parliament to a council for the Parliament of World Religions, its, its official name. Yeah. Wow! So it goes way, way back. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. So, so as a hundred. Like... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh. No, I was just going to say as a hundred uh, anniversary of the uh, the first uh, gathering of the Parliament uh, in 1993. Then they recreated it again and revived it, and uh, so every they were doing every like four years they would have a, a gathering. Uh, somewhere they had in Barcelona, South Africa, uh, and so uh, so we then started it again, and, and then uh, now we're having our, our ninth one in Chicago in August of uh, 2023. Wow, that's really it's, so. It really is a lot like the Olympics, like you said, somewhere in a different <laughs> city right. in the world every four years. So one thing wait, that I'm wait. I'm thinking about, Lewis, is that so. At, at their core, so many of the world's religions, uh, principles and values, even though their traditions and practices uh, are so different, um, those princi core principles and values really are about love and about acceptance and about um, relationship with, with the earth and with creation and, uh, and where we come from, right? So, and so it, I can see where everyone can... Uh, can get to that place of common ground. But then there are also some, some things that different religions have extremely different views on, whether it's around women's reproductive rights or yes, um, just things that are, are, that look like they would be impossible to come together on that uh, this idea of having an organization that's all about bringing people from the world's religions all at, at, at one table and, and doing that work it could also be divisive or, or very challenging at, at times. Yeah, well, we're not talking about nirvana when we when we have our parliament. <laughs> certainly, certainly, issues get very heated, and um, and that's you know a lot of that is human nature in terms of how we how we have a tendency, and I'm saying all of us. Yeah, um, my my people do it just as well as anyone else. But we, we, we approach our, our, our faith or our spiritual tradition or our religion with the eyes of being a guardian in the sense that, you know, what we know is the way. And uh, as the title of your podcast suggests, there are, you know, several ways to Sunday um, to get to the creator. And, um, and, and we understand that. But what happens is that as human beings, we tend to become very protective and very assertive and very certain about what we know or feel to be the truth. But that doesn't mean that we can't have a conversation, even, even when it becomes um, very stern. Uh, and any conversation that turns into uh, you know, a verbal slugfest is not a conversation any longer. So you have to withdraw from the conversation because you're not going to get very far until you know, until things cool down a little bit, and then maybe you come back together and then have a discussion. 
But it's not so much, at least within the parliament, trying to convert anybody to change anything. It's more of seeking for them to understand your position. And, and sometimes that's really difficult for people to do, especially when you're talking, for example, um, women's rights. Uh, it can be it's seen different from different uh, cultures and traditions, from one extreme to another as well. Uh, even within uh, the traditions of my my people, amongst my own indigenous uh, nations here, um, a woman's uh, role can be seen differently um, and interpreted uh, as such. And we're, you know, a lot of us aren't happy about that, but um, but it's something that we're t- we're talking about. But we've also mm-hmm. seen over over time those stringent perspectives on women's roles within indigenous uh, traditions uh, change. And uh, let me give you an example. Um, uh, in uh, the 60s, the late 60s, uh, uh, at that time, during our powwows, um, you know, there's women dancers and men dancers, but what you see today is something different than what was back then. Uh, back then, women didn't do fancy dancing, twirling and all that sort of, they just didn't. They were very humble and they would dance very slowly. Oh. But then this young... Yeah, this young woman had a had a vision where she was told by uh, by this uh, being in her dream that she had to create this dress that had these little uh, bells that were made from the tops of snuff cans, uh, you know, chewing tobacco cans, little little tin things. They and and showed her how to do it and then how to attach it to her dress, right? Because her father was very ill and uh, she had she had praise. And received this uh, this vision, and so she built and made that dress exactly as she was told. And then she went into a powwow where she was told to go and to dance for her father. And it's called the jingle dress. And so that jingle dress then brought in these women totally different than than had ever existed before. Wow! And they started and they started to dance. And um, and as the story goes, her father made a full recovery. But what happened is that after that. Then other women picked that up as well to dance for their, for their, for their loved ones, and so now it's a, a major part of the uh, powwow gathering. Wow! But I've never heard that story that before. Shifted. Yeah, but it shifted because the constant in nature has, has changed, and uh, to be uh, not willing to change is uh, to be the true radical <laughs> in, in nature, right? Yeah. Um, and so if you, and I'm sure that you've read the works of um, uh, Campbell, uh, Joseph Campbell, he's the, uh, <clears throat> he was a uh, PhD in uh, comparative uh, religious studies, just one of my favorites to read. And he, uh, he said that, you know, the, the cultures that refuse to change are the ones that die. Um, if you do not, you know, Every every generation needs to change its metaphors to meet the challenges of the day. Um, those are the ones that are that become resilient and and, and change and, and move and move forward. Yeah. So the same thing is with the, with our spiritual traditions as well. There was a time when Indigenous women weren't allowed to sweat, have a sweat lodge ceremony, or join a sweat lodge ceremony where there were men in it. But now we ha- now it's common to have men and women in, in sweat lodge. There are still specific sweats for women because they do specific ceremonies and specific ceremonies for men 
that do specific uh, things. Uh, but then uh, most of our of our sweat lodges today are, are co-ed. So things do change. There's a constant change. And, and a lot of that has to do with the coming together of people mm. to learn and, 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 to, and to understand and to trade in that kind of knowledge about how, where are we as uh, spiritual practitioners and how do we ensure that these changes um, serve our communities? Uh, in a way yes. that um, that continues in, in in that good way. So absolutely, change, yeah, yeah. we have happens. a we have a uh, example of that that, I'm, that it comes to mind for me is in the in the Christian um, tradition. There's so much um, diversity and in, in uh, worldviews and and so much can be a lot of divisiveness too. But we're challenged, I think, to uh, to really examine how the Christian church has, has been towards different minority groups, um, different uh, people of different sexuality and gender identity, and to really uh, try to heal that and create these safe and inclusive spaces for fellowship and for worship and for community building. And, and it's, it can be a really daunting task when you look at the, uh, the ugliness of, our, of some of our past as a church and how the church has impacted people um, and, and created yeah. a lot of pain and hurt. And so, you know, we in our, um, our church community here, we try to be extremely in, uh, um, deliberate about being inclusive and, and just creating the healing that we can through being um, visibly welcoming and inclusive to to all beings, so um, that's that's a process, right? Like we're we are yeah. uh, just being affirming is you can decide in your own mind, like oh yeah, we're this is what we think, and we're we look, you know, everyone should just be welcome. And but if if others don't feel affirmed and don't feel safe and don't feel included then yeah. you're, I, don't, I think then the work is not yet complete. <laughs> so it, it's a process. Um, but creating those spaces and healing the past, you know, uh, reconciliation, the, the whole process of reconciliation, it's in Canada and between the church and, the, and, and our indigenous cultures, where it's been decades now of, of trying to, so maybe we can, maybe yeah. we can talk about that, about that a little bit. I know that you've done some, some work in, in that uh process too around reconciliation yes yeah Rec reconciliation is um uh, and and you stated it already it really is a, a journey um first of all the the apology that was made by um by harper back in 2008 i happened to be there um Strange story, but I wound up in the gallery in the House of Commons in Ottawa on that on that fateful morning. Oh, really? To hear that it was totally weird and, and bizarre, but I found my way there and uh, was invited in just as they were about to file in. That, that long story is this: is I was giving a talk at the World Public Forum on Economics. Believe it or not, <laughs> I, I don't know anything about economics. <laughs> anyway, but my my talk my talk was done that morning. Uh, I had finished at nine thirty, ten o'clock, and um, and they said, okay, well, you know, come back for uh, uh, you can go to the rest of the sessions, or you can take the day off and tour uh, Ottawa. And I said, well, I'm going to head over to the Parliament, which is right next door. 
Um, and so I, I left the Chateau Laurier and I, I walked over there because I know on any given day, there's some indigenous people protesting. And I like to go over there and say, hi, how are you doing? What's up? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, on, that, on that morning, I walked out there and I go into the House of Commons. And of course, except this time, there's like hundreds of indigenous people there. And I thought, oh, wow, I wonder what's going on. And so I walk up there and I see this person that I know that's from Edmonton. And I said, what's going on, brother? And he goes, well, he goes, the, uh, the prime minister is going to read uh, the apology. I said, oh, that's right. That's today. He goes, yeah. And he said, guess what? I said, what? He said, I got one ticket left. <laughs> Would you like it? No you way. Come in? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. So, <laughs> of course, I said, I'd be honored. Um, but uh, my father had passed away. We had buried him just a week beforehand. Um, and he was a survivor of residential school. And so uh, we went in, filed up, and uh, I got to oversee the whole thing that went on. And, you know, what went through me is that I, I saw my father and I, I saw my ancestors and all the ones who had went to residential school who weren't there to witness this moment. So I realized that's the person, that's the reason why I was there, is to bear witness for them. And that was a very overwhelming overwhelming experience it still kind of shakes me a bit but um that's why i was there and that's why i was brought there to bear witness for them and to realize that you know the next step from this apology is forgiveness and when we when we do an apology and we ask for forgiveness and forgiveness is given then then the true journey begins and i don't think that we've gotten to that point of forgiveness you know, from our people yet in that way. At least it hasn't been publicly said. Uh, individuals, of course, talk about that. I mean, I have. I've had to make peace with it myself. But my act of uh, forgiveness is uh, giving back to the community and, and the general community, not just my own, and uh, and working towards um, reconciliation. Reconciliation is a, a journey. Uh, it's um, it's something that we we have to continuously do. Mm. It's like being vig- vigilant of your commitment. Yeah, and uh, the com- the commitment goes both ways. Um, for the non-indigenous community, it's about learning about indigenous people and the history and the truth of uh, of that history and the consequences of of that history and the effects that it's had on generations of people to understand that because then that. That explains for a lot of people uh, why Indigenous people do the things that they do. And uh, unfortunately, the media picks up on all these negative stories. But uh, the once you start to understand uh, another person's pain, you begin to understand the person. Yes. And then you start, and then you can really start that journey of how can we reconcile? And reconciliation means to return to harmony, right? And so how can we either return to harmony um, or go to harmony? Because there's a lot of relationships mm-hmm. that didn't have any harmony. Right. So it's a journey. Yeah, it's, it's a journey. And uh, and it's something that we have to remember that it takes one step at a time. And this is generational work. Yes. It's not going to be done in five years or 20 years. It's, it's going to take some generations to get us back into that uh, fully trusting relationship that, uh, that we have. But we're yeah. starting. And there's some great things that are, that are starting to happen. Yeah, I that's so beautiful, and I love the way you describe it. I, I really liked Lewis how you talked about your act of forgiveness and what that personally means for you is giving back to the greater community. And 
it's so easy to think about um, an apology or a forgiveness as just words, right? And but if yeah. if it if it doesn't if there isn't action accompanying those words, then often that forgive that apology can feel sort of hollow, and and the forgiveness isn't as deep or meaningful or healing yeah. as it is if there's action attached to it. Exactly. You know, indigenous languages are verb-based languages. They're not noun-based uh, languages. They're always about action and, and, and moving forward. So when we talk about uh, an apology, it's an action. When we talk about forgiveness, it's an action. When we talk about reconciliation, it's an action. Because we are constantly in movement. And so relationship then becomes a very important part in being a part of that of that great movement of life and, and living. Um, uh, the elders that I've, I've worked with um, in, from all parts of the world always come back to the same point, And that is, it's all about relationships. And so if, if there was a hashtag or a bumper sticker, it would be hashtag, it's all about relationship. <laughs> because the relationship is what helps that movement continue, right? Yeah. And so we, and if you look at Mother Earth and nature, it's all about relationship. All the plants need each other. You know, there's uh, the animals need each other and we need the animals. So it's always about how do you maintain that, that, that relationship. And that's where ceremonies come in. In our traditions, that's how we help to maintain our balance. Why is that? Because human beings, they tend to take too much. They become destructive. And, um, and so we know that to be true. Yeah. Ceremonies then, or the way of your spiritual practice helps you to get yourself back into that, into that fold, into that embrace of Mother Earth, into that, into the arms of the Creator, to live in in, in balance and uh, harmony. So reconciliation. We are just about we're just at that point where we're talking about forgiveness because mm-hmm. that needs to happen. You, you know, the government said we're sorry, and um, and we understood that and we accepted that. Now it's time for us to say we forgive you. Mm-hmm. And people are doing that, like I said, um, myself included. But as a, a general collective of our indigenous leadership, they, we also need to say we forgive you. And we, we have to do that if we're going to move forward into the great potential that we have from this uh, relationship that we're trying to repair, rebuild. Yeah. It, it must feel, I'm sure for a lot of people, uh, if there's a reluctance to really truly extend that forgiveness um maybe it's connected to this idea that you know how can we forgive something that is still today ongoing and so this idea oh, yeah. of the colonial impact on indigenous cultures it's not just something that well you know like your father is a survivor of, was a survivor of the residential schools and and it's so in in many ways it's not this distant you know hundreds of years ago past it's a very near uh, history that's that's still yeah. playing itself out um and and i think like i remember as a child in in elementary school you know on the playground people talking about you know um you know the stealing the land from from the native people and and well that you know that wasn't that wasn't us who who did that that was generations ago and and so and there's this desire to distance ourselves from 
the act and or distance ourselves from the those yeah. transgressions and, and hurts that have happened because oh it was generations ago but it it's really not it's it's still it's no. so uh recent in our history and the uh, impacts and effects of it are still ongoing and so i i guess oh, what I'm, it, it must be so hard to forgive when it's like well you know you, you forgive someone who abuses you but if there's if the abuse is still happening how do you continually forgive, forgive, forgive? That's right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's why I'm saying we're not we're not there yet. Um, you know, where we're talking about it, absolutely. And there's still a lot of pain and anger and hurt within our community that will not easily um, forgive what what has happened. And I have these conversations all the time about how we have to move on. Um, but. Uh, we still have to deal with, with, with that pain uh, before we can take take the next steps, and that's what. Um, and that we just have to be honest. Uh, if if you've done any transgressions to any friends or, or people that you love, uh, and you say you're sorry, sometimes forgiveness isn't automatically given. They need mm-hmm. to take time to 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 have that to process that. Right, and now we have the uh, you know the uh, the discovery of unmarked graves, uh, which again has opened up you know that um, very painful part of our lives. Yes, um, um, and so my mother also was a survivor of residential school, and uh, for for myself, I went to residential school, but right at the very end, um, okay. and so I went to a couple of schools where they had closed down the residential school. But then built a new school just down <laughs> in the same field sometimes, and then all the teachers went over there, and so I did face a lot of uh, physical uh, abuse and violence uh, when I was going until we moved here to the city. But um, and then you have to face this whole racist racism thing, which is a whole other thing. But uh, but that that experience, as limited as it was for me, uh, left its mark, um, and also. Perhaps one of the reasons why I went into education was to reclaim uh, indigenous pedagogy, worldview, and knowledge, and incorporate it into our uh, education systems and into uh, First Nation schools and, and, and that sort of thing. Uh, so, it, yeah, it's had its uh, impact on me, uh, most certainly. No kidding. Um, well, I, I, I love that you're um, taking all of that history and generational trauma and not only responding with a heart of forgiveness, but also like we were talking about that action and, and saying, well, how can we make sure that, um, that, that the world learns from this, that, that this can be turned into something good and that, um, that the history isn't lost, that the culture is, is relearned, right? Like er earlier in the conversation, you were talking about how um, even in your childhood, there was all already this disconnect from cultural practice. Um, how how do you how do you make sure that that culture doesn't die away? That that it isn't lost. That that it does get um, built into education systems, and that yeah. knowledge keeping it, it, there's the, that continuity. Well, culture needs to be practiced. Uh, that's the only way that it survives, is that it has to be practiced. Um, and in order to practice, uh, you need to have access to uh, resources. Um, elders, um, various uh, 
items and things that, that you need to practice uh, to practice. And that's why the work that I'm doing with the Indigenous Knowledge and Wisdom Center is building Canada's first urban Indigenous ceremonial grounds anywhere in Canada. It's happening right here in Edmonton. Oh, wow. So we, we have about 10 acres of land. Uh, we're constructing uh, two buildings. One is uh, a changing uh, for changing rooms, washrooms, and a meeting space. And then we have storage facility. We're landscaping the land where we can have sweat lodges. We can set up um, teepees. Uh, we can have uh, gatherings. So right now, our people in uh, Edmonton uh, have to leave the city of Edmonton in order to do these basic ceremonies. And uh, so we've been working over the last 15 years to build a space that specifically meets that need. Wow. There's over 60, indig 60 indigenous nations that make Edmonton their home. And they all practice their traditions in different ways than, than the Cree do, for example. Right. But so we've created space where they can go to and do their ceremonies. We have over 60 uh, agencies, uh, departments, and nonprofit organizations and profit organizations that serve the indigenous community that all have a cultural program but they have to leave the city to to do them. But now they don't have to. Uh, this September, we'll have phase one of the, uh, the whole project uh, completely built out, landscaped, and ready for use. And in fact, we're already accessing it, uh, various parts of it, so that uh, community organizations uh, can do their ceremonies, their sweat lodges, and gatherings, and talking circles, and all that sort of thing. But it's also a place while it's focused around access for uh, families and, and, and youth, uh, it is also a place of reconciliation, a place where we can also teach non-Indigenous people about some of the ceremonies, histories, uh, cultures, all kinds of different things that we can do down there to educate. So yeah. it's an act of reconciliation. It's an act of reconciliation. And the city of Edmonton has worked um, uh, diligently and in such a good way with us uh, to, to make this happen. Uh, and so now we'll have it. Um, and uh, uh, word is coming down from on high that the Pope, when he comes to Edmonton, July 2026, may want to pop in and meet the elders to see what type, to see this unique uh, project uh, uh, and to uh, talk about hope and what wow. this, how, how this brings. Yeah. That's so we. So fantastic. Yeah, so that's what I've been focused on uh, as my full-time uh, gig <laughs> since uh, J July of uh, 2020 is to build it and to make it to make it happen. And so wow. I'm building everything from the ground up, and it's and it's really cool because there's no uh, there's no handbook for us to to do this, so we have to make it up as we go along. Well, I was going to ask you, things, is, yeah. has something similar yeah. happened in any other cities that you know of, or no, 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 wow. yeah. But we also, are, uh, the elders have also made it clear that they want uh, other cities to be inspired by this project and start to build their own uh, cultural land base for their for their peoples, for their indigenous peoples to uh, have access to. And, and I've gotten a, a couple calls, uh, one from Toronto and one from Winnipeg, wow. who'd like us to advise them as, and share with us their art story and how we made made this happen. So well, it's starting just, to happen. It makes so much sense to me that that every major urban center should have something like this, um, where you, you're not having to leave the city. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people, yeah, that, you know, that live in city and either maybe don't even own a vehicle. They use city transit, and and if you, exactly. if you don't have easy access to a, a space that is for that purpose, then 
that there's your opportunities to practice those uh, practice your culture and learn about your own culture would be Absolutely. challenging. And we know it's critical. And so, you know, each city, a major city in Canada was built on an indigenous gathering place. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, and so we also know that the populations of indigenous people are shifting and going into urban centers. And so, yeah. you know, all those numbers bear out. So it only makes sense. So we need our social and spiritual infrastructure. <laughs> That's yeah. not a contradiction in terms. But that's what we're doing, yeah. Wow. Well, good for you. And and so, tell me again when you're anticipating this is going to be um, open and and finished. Yes. Well, okay. First of all, we're already we already have opened the site to limited activities only because uh, the site is mainly a construction site right now, so right. we can't have people running around in there. But we do have some extra land to the side that we're using for, for some gatherings and things. But September 23rd, is, or at least I should say the last week of September is when the construction and landscaping will be completed. And then uh, I think we'll get the keys to the place at the end of October. Um, and so, yeah, so, you know, so we have to do everything from figuring out how, you know, a user agreement works to insurance issues, security issues, policies, <laughs> protocols, everything has to be, wow. uh, has, has to be has to be built so then i think uh, then after that we're not exactly sure what, what time but we'll have an official grand opening we might hold it up hold it until uh march 2023 20, uh, on the on the spring equinox to mark that time as a time of change oh, right cool. and so we're kind of, kind of looking at that time but we certainly all are already in conversations with community leagues and, um uh, jewish synagogues uh, who would like to develop a program of of, of learning uh, with with our elders and our cultural resource people to 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 begin that process of uh, of sharing? That is so powerful, Lewis, and it sounds like you're the the perfect person to be involved in that project. Just <laughs> from the little bit that I've gotten to know you in this last hour, um, you're involved in a lot of different organizations that uh, have this common sort of um, purpose of interfaith, that intersection of, of faith and action and healing and bringing people together. And, and it sounds yeah. like you're really making some, uh, you're involved in uh, making some pretty big things happen that are, are going to uh, just make the world a better place for a lot of people. Well, you know, as, as I say, you know, yeah, you know, I get a lot of, I get, I, I get a lot of respect and I, and I appreciate that very much. But the fact is, is that I'm a helper. And that's a traditional role within any indigenous community. As a man, I have a responsibility to make sure that the needs of the community are being addressed and to help in any way that I can to make that happen. Uh, so I listen to the women, the elders, and uh, our leaders uh, to give me direction in terms of what needs to happen. Wow. Yeah, I mean, knowing knowing your it starts with, like you said earlier, it starts with doing the own your own work internally. And a big part of that is knowing yourself, knowing that what your role yeah. is, knowing what your purpose is or what your uh, gifts and talents and skills are. And, if, and knowing that you are someone who's meant to be, who's called to be a helper and, and then stepping into that. Hey. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Well, this, this conversation has been a perfect fit for our podcast. I, I like to describe six ways from Sunday as um, a safe and inclusive space for curious hearts and open minds. <laughs> and, 
And, uh, and, <laughs> and I think when we can step into spaces, either like physical spaces like you're talking about, or just um, spaces of conversation with the, with that curious heart and that open mind, there's so much that we can learn from each other, different walks of life and different traditions and faiths. Um, and so much that we can just incorporate into our own practice and our own uh, way of being that can just enrich and um, improve our own lives and and for others as well. So thank you for yeah. thank you for sharing thank you your story, Lewis. I feel like you're someone that I will have to bring back on uh, again, maybe uh, maybe in a few months' sure. time, and we can <laughs> catch up some. Any time. Yeah, there's yeah, just so anytime. much. Any time. I'm happy so, to. Yeah, I would love that. So let's do that. And uh, again, just thank you for the time today and uh, for being so open to to hopping on here with me. And uh, it was just wonderful to to hear some of your story and get to know you a bit. Thank you. And it's an honor to meet you as well. And thank you for all the good work that you do in your community and for your family. So I appreciate the time. Thank you. Thank you, Lewis. That means a lot. Um, and for everybody listening, uh, if you'd like to um learn more about the work that Lewis is doing Lewis is there a, what's the best way to either uh learn more about you know the parliament of the world's religions or uh the Edmonton yes, Center for Education some of the places that you're involved with let's uh, point people towards some of those resources okay sure uh with the parliament of world religions uh, you know go to uh uh, the website uh, parliamentofreligions.org and you'll get a whole lot of information there and also an opportunity for you to sign up for the next uh, the next parliament in Chicago in 2023. Uh, also go to the North American <clears throat> Interfaith Network website as well. I'm the vice chair for, for, for that organization and they do a tremendous amount of work in, in building local uh, uh, interfaith uh, networks and uh, gatherings and sharing and all that sort of stuff. The other one is the Indigenous Knowledge and Wisdom Center. That's where the Kijiaski Project is, uh, is coming out of. And that is um, ikwc.org. So those are the three areas. And of course, the Edmonton Interface uh, and Network for uh, Education and Action um, is also, also does a tremendous amount of great local work here as well. I'm very proud to be uh, sitting with them and the work they do. Wonderful. I don't. I don't have a personal website, <laughs> but you can okay. find me on Facebook. You can find me on Facebook if you like. <laughs> Perfect. Um, and if anyone would like to uh, check out any of our past episodes of the podcast, we've got, uh, I think, almost 120 episodes. This is our fifth season of Six Ways from Sunday, so there's lots of fabulous conversations just like this one um, that are worth checking out in our archives, uh, and you can find those on iTunes just by searching Six Ways from Sunday. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Uh, share some of these episodes with your friends if you liked them. And you can also uh, find more on our website, which is risingspiritministry.com. So thank you everyone for listening today and joining Lewis and myself in this conversation. And Lewis, again, thank you. Uh, it's been a real honor and privilege. Oh, mine. Thank you. Until next time, everyone, take care and be well. <laughs> <laughs>